0: Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens today. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Ridley Pearson, whose new middle grade novel, Dark Passage, has just been published by Disney Hyperion, which is sponsoring this podcast. Dark Passage is the sixth book in Pearson's Kingdom Keepers series, which follows five teenagers as they battle classic Disney villains like Maleficent and Cruella de Vil throughout the Disney theme parks. Pearson is also the co-author, with Dave Barry, of the Peter and the Starcatchers and Neverland series, as well as many thrillers for adults. Ridley, thanks for speaking with me.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. So, the new book, uh, it takes
0: place on a Disney cruise ship, uh, not to mention Aruba and Central America. Was this one of those situations that calls for a lot of first-hand research as an author?
1: One must do tax-deductible research, John. So, <laughs> I'm always willing to step into the fray.
0: Very good. And did you end up uh, in a lot of the sites mentioned in this particular book? I know there's some various islands and uh, other spots uh, in Mexico and the surrounding area.
1: Absolutely. I, um, I had this terrific uh, opportunity that was sort of presented or negotiated between Disney and me a few years ago where, well, now it's nine years ago, um, where they were eager to see an adventure series set inside their theme parks, but they were concerned that, you know, you couldn't harm a kid and you couldn't harm a ride or sabotage a ride or enter the park with a weapon or any of that. And uh, could I dream up a way that we could have a high adventure inside their theme parks that would still meet those conditions. And um, I came up with the Kingdom Keepers, and my one sort of requirement was that I have full access to their theme parks. So, they, after um, months of wringing their hands, they granted me that. And I've gone into the parks, oh, 20, 25 times now, uh, when the parks are shut down at night, And I've gone in with a Disney Imagineer, which is maybe the best job on Earth. These guys dream up the next attraction and then are given giant budgets and uh, eventually engineer and install those attractions. Uh, And and I'm lucky enough to go into the park with one of these men or women and uh, go on to the attractions when they're shut down, walk them, take notes. Then they turn them on for me and I ride them. And then I go back to my little office in St. Louis and imagine five teenagers at 2 a.m. doing the same thing I just did. So uh, one thing led to another, and and eventually I wanted to move the Kingdom Keepers, these five kids, from the East Coast to the West Coast. And uh, I had an opportunity to go on a Disney cruise ship and said, wow, maybe these could get them there. And sure enough, once every couple years, Disney moves a ship. And they were moving one of their ships from the East Coast to the West Coast through the Panama Canal. And that afforded me the opportunity to take that cruise. And um, I mean, it was a ton of fun, but it was also just a huge amount of work. I I studied and, and was able to do research all over the ship, including all the places the guests never see. And as you mentioned, I went to Aruba. We went through the Panama Canal, we went to Costa Rica, Mexico, and all of those settings show up in Dark Passage.
0: Okay, excellent. A few years ago, I was down, uh, down in the Keys, actually, and I think one of the more fun details about the one of the Disney ships that was... Parked there was that they had the uh, I believe it the When You Wish Upon a Star sort of uh, trumpeting horn. <laughs> is is that... that
1: not the greatest ship sound ever? Instead of you know ba ooh goes ba 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 and the really neat thing, John, is that uh, the two smaller ships do the first part of that melody, uh, or maybe by now they all have the ability to do any. But um, at any rate, when we passed, uh, it's very rare that two Disney ships pass each other because they're all in different areas of the world. But I was on one one time where they did cross, and as they did in open water, one ship, you know, did the first part of the melody and the second ship's huge horn did the second part of the melody. And it was just so cool. The whole, uh, you know, everybody on deck cheered. It was just a great moment. Hmm.
0: And uh, speaking of travel, uh, you're currently on tour for the new book. Uh, So how has uh, Life on the Road been?
1: Life on the Road is never perfect, but the tour has just been phenomenal. The turnout has been um, sort of beyond anything you could wish for as an author. And, the really fun element for me of the kingdom keepers is how passionate and enthusiastic these readers are and and the readers span you know ages seven or eight all the way up through eighty. I think about half the books sell to adults and and I was unaware when I sort of ventured into this that there are so many Disney enthusiasts out there who are adults, and hmm. they want to know what's going on in the theme parks as much as their kids do. So um, it's really sort of struck a chord across all ages, and people come, and uh, we have a good time. I do a PowerPoint and make a lot of jokes, and uh, we've had just a tremendous time.
0: And uh, I'm sure you know, at, the, at the events, kids have a, a lot of questions. Uh, what's, what sort of things are they you know, wanting to know
1: about the series? I think the biggest question now, since everyone knows it's coming to an end, uh, is will there be any more and will there be a movie? And um, I do believe we'll have some form of a second series, although it's still to take shape. And uh, so far, Disney has not committed to a movie. But the good news is on the uh, the book that Dave Barry and I co-wrote, Peter and the Starcatchers and a Subsequent Series, uh, that first book is going to a movie, and it's being directed by Gary Ross, the director of Hunger Games mm. and Secretariat. So uh, we're really excited about that.
0: Excellent. It sounds like the the next book in the series, Book 7, will be the, the last one. Is that correct?
1: Yes. It's an unusual process by which that book will be written, however. And, and I'd love to talk about that if you haven't.
0: Yeah, well, you. Uh, I, I think I've heard that there's a uh, an app, an app I guess, that's recently launched that's also going to sort of help chart the course of that story. Can you maybe explain how that's going to uh, to work?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of it, you know, um, connects to what you were talking about before, the tours. For about, the, the, we're in the sixth book now, and for about the last three or four books, the crowds have been really big at the signings, and... The readers have been uh, unbelievably enthusiastic and passionate about what the characters should do next or what attraction should be in the next book. And I get, I literally get hundreds of emails a day uh, from those readers saying, you know, I love this. What about if Stitch came on and did this and did that? And, and the readers come on and say, you know, I've read the third book seven times. And I really, and, and my eyes kind of pop out, and I go, what? Uh, and it, it turns out that many, many of these kids are doing multiple reads through the series. And as I was facing the concept of the seventh book, I, I almost felt like I would be cheating the readers if it was left up only to me to decide how this nine-year event was going to end. But there was nothing in place that, would, that I could see that would allow a community right of the book. So for the last two years, I guess, maybe a little bit more, um, I've been researching that and trying to find a way that we could either use email or some form to solicit ideas from these terrific kids and put their ideas into the book. And along the way, I ran into a company called Caliloquy, which is a startup ebook company out of Palo Alto. And we were working on another project to do with the rock band Dave Barry and I are in. And one thing led to another. And the people at Caliloquy said, You know, I think we can build both a website and an app that would allow you to do what you want to do. So Disney has gone and hired Kaliliqui, and it's taken about a year now to get all the legal work done so that it's a totally safe site and the kids are absolutely protected, which they are. And now, if adult or child, if you go on to KingdomKeepersInsider.com or download that app, you can not only vote on what characters are going to end up in this week's chapter or what villains or what the setting is, but there's also fan fiction questions I ask, because The Kingdom Keepers has a huge fan fiction community. Hmm. And we get, for instance, last week in our first week, we had over 800 submissions for this paragraph I had requested, and I ended up using two of the submissions and editing them, and now those two kids will see their words in the final book when it's published next April. So it's kind of a... um, a serial in that the first five or six chapters of the seventh book are already on the app, and each week we add another one or two, but only after I get the input of the readers. So, we will go forward for another, I think, 25 weeks this way, which means, basically, John, I don't sleep for the next 25 <laughs> weeks. But, uh, you know, the the fun part is that it's, it's taken off at a speed and a, and a number that we did not expect, and um, here we go, and, and you know there's we are actually group writing a novel it 's really fun,
0: excellent and uh, you know i 'm sure this many books in kids are, are pretty invested in in the five uh, kingdom keepers themselves, but is the fact that these classic Disney characters are popping up sort of in unexpected ways throughout the uh, the series is that a big part of the fun for them? Mm-hmm.
1: I think it is. And I think it's, you know, right at this age, I think sort of middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade, kids. some kids sort of lose the sparkle of Disney World or Disneyland. They get a little too cool for school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things about these books is you see it in a totally different way, because after dark, the good Disney characters are battling the bad Disney characters for the control of the parks upping sort of the stakes of everything and the kids get to envision themselves in those parks after dark because i've been there and researched this stuff so you know if there's ever a curiosity of what it's like backstage in one of these attractions or in the parks the kids get to see that out in the series and i think that's provided something that they've all wanted and needed so it's, it's not only character but setting
0: and what about for you as the author, have you been, uh, do you have fun sort of picking and choosing from the Disney canon a bit?
1: It's simply incredible. This has been such a fun project for me. If, if you can imagine uh, being sent a, I, I don't know, I came to Disney very late. I mean, I didn't even go to either of the parks until I was in my 40s. But I now carry a VIP card that lets me into any Disney park around the world. And if I call early, they arrange an Imagineer to tour me through the parks so, I, you know, I've, I've ridden some of these rides, you know, 9, 10, 11 times alone. Um, I've walked all of them when they're shut down. I've talked to the people that run them. After, you know, 30, 40 years in these parks, of course, they're wonderful ghost stories and great Disney lore. And I get to feed off all that and bring all that to life. So for me as a writer, it's just been the thrill of a lifetime.
0: As you mentioned before a bit, your book, Peter and the Star Catchers, was uh, developed into a play for the stage, and I believe it's currently running off-Broadway, and it had a Broadway run as well. Um, What was that experience uh, like for you?
1: I grew up outside of New York in Connecticut, and so my parents took me into both museums and Broadway shows all the time, and and I fell in love with the Broadway musical and the Broadway play, and then moved away, and, and I've been away for oh, 30, 40 years now. But um, I've always loved that world. And when Disney came to us and said, you know, the story you're writing about, which is, the, uh, Dave Barry and I created a series about how a boy became Peter Pan. Uh, Peter Pan was first seen in a play, and they said, since J.M. Barry started as a play, we think it might bring it full circle to take your work back to the stage. Hmm. And Dave and I said, what an amazing thing. Let's try that. And we know nothing about that world. So, you know, you just sort of give them carte blanche. And, and one of the things I asked for was, you know, I expressed my, my interest in Broadway and how I would love to just watch this process. So... Um, Tom Schumacher and uh, Disney Theatrical were nice enough to sort of allow me to be a fly on the wall through the five-year process, going to meetings and listening to them all work it out and talk to the writer Rick Ellis, who's just a brilliant man and has realized this book onto stage in a creative, funny, poignant way that, you know, Dave and I would never have had a clue how to do that. So, the experience has been incredible. The play went on to win five Tonys, um, which is as many as any play has ever won, uh, I believe. It's uh, just, you know, it's highly regarded. It did. It moved about two blocks away a month ago to Off Broadway. It has been sold out almost every night uh, for the run that's now begun. They haven't even started to advertise it yet because it's selling out just off of word of mouth. And. Along came Disney and said, you know, we're going to revisit the idea of turning it into a film. And uh, Gary Ross, whom I mentioned earlier, had had expressed an interest years ago in uh, realizing Peter and the Starcatcher to film. And at the time, the company dragged their feet. And then he had this huge success with Secretariat and again with Hunger Games. And he went back to them and said, you know, I would really like to do this. And they said, you're on. So, uh We're going to get a movie, I think. Hmm.
0: And uh, speaking of some of the side projects you uh, are involved in, up until, I think, last year, you were part of the the long-running band, the the Rock Bottom Remainders, uh, whose members are Dave Berry, Stephen King, Amy Tan, and others. Uh, Now, am I right that the band has uh, disbanded at this point?
1: Yes. I mean, we've officially disbanded the wonderful woman who put us all together, a media escort, uh, now 22 years ago. Uh, passed away from breast cancer last spring. And we all felt that uh, that was kind of its own signal to us. And though we might play together in smaller groups, the big, massive rock-bottom remainders was probably done. Uh, we had a couple of terrific shows out in Los Angeles to celebrate that last, uh, I guess it was last fall or summer. And... Uh, we also decided to write a retrospective of the 20 years together. Each of us contributing an essay, and emails, and photos, and video. And this company I mentioned earlier, Caliloquy, uh, was whom I had contacted about that um, ebook. It's going to be a uh, sort of an advanced ebook, and uh, so they're putting together this book called Hard Listening that comes out in May, and, and it's to sort of celebrate the 20 years of the rock-bottom remainders.
0: And are you uh, still keeping up with the bass guitar?
1: I try to. Dave and I are um, are working hard to assemble a band in Miami at the Miami Book Fair this November, uh, and I think we're going to get Scott Tarot, Amy Tan, a couple of the other rock-bottom remainders. Um, all are welcome, but you just never know who will show. <laughs> but yes, I uh, you know, I, I'm occasionally in a little studio here. A friend of mine has a recording studio, and I work on some of my music from years ago. So it's it's a lot of fun for me. Okay.
0: And uh, getting back to books real quick, are there any future projects for kids that you're either mulling over or working on or can talk about a little?
1: Yeah, well, I have this seventh book, um, Kingdom Keepers 7, which is this Kingdom Keepers Insider app, sure. which I talked about. And uh, there's there will be a series of at least three books to follow that that somehow involved the Kingdom Keepers. And, uh, and actually, just this morning, I received an email from um, a terrific cartoonist, and his son had been reading the Kingdom Keepers, and he had just the coolest idea. So I think I am now going to work on that idea as possibly the foundation for the next series. Um, so we'll see. And you never know with Dave Barry... And uh, and me, we, we currently are on hiatus, but you never know if we'll get back together and write something. Uh, I know he has a number of books coming out, and I have a, an adult thriller called Choke Point coming out in June. So so busy at this end.
0: Sounds good. Well, uh, thank you again, Ridley, for speaking with me, and safe travels for the rest of your tour.
1: Really appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me.
0: Once again, I've been talking with Ridley Pearson, whose new book is Dark Passage, just published by Disney Hyperion. Thank you for listening to PW Kidscast.